0: All right, so we're live. Hotep, up, everybody. Hey, this is Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. Uh, we are live today is Tuesday, December fifth, two thousand seventeen. It's been a very, very busy news day. You may have been following uh, some of our um, broadcasts. So, actually, some of our posts today. Uh, we know Representative uh, John Conyers, the longest sitting uh, congressman. Announced his retirement today. I posted some articles about that. Uh, but uh, right now we have uh, I'm going to interview Professor Cabahaya Waka Kaminé, uh one of my teachers. You've seen him in the documentary 1804: uh, uh, The Hidden History of Haiti. Uh, he's in the uh, we're in the Black Friday Part Two documentary together. Uh, you know we have the documentaries at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Um, He's in uh, 1804. The Hidden History of Haiti as well deals with the history of the Haitian Revolution. Uh, He was just here in Detroit, um, just here in Detroit, uh, November 24th for the uh, for Black Friday for the screening of Black Friday Part Two at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History. Okay. And uh, I'm going to check my audio here as well Uh, We should be broadcasting on Facebook Live uh, Our Facebook fan page, The African History Network The African History Network And uh, our YouTube channel also, Michael Lemhotep on YouTube Okay, all right. so we've got that good So we're going to bring him on here in just a minute Uh, We had a good turnout at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African American History But he's coming back to Detroit December 8th and 9th Okay, and he's going to be um, uh, at the uh, True Oracle of God Ministries Church, okay. True Oracle of God Ministries Church, uh, that's in Detroit, okay. And uh, all right, and Professor Kaba, turn. Uh, let me see. Turn the volume down on your end, or if you have some headphones, just pop in your earbuds or something like that, okay. Okay, so we got we got them on here. Let's see. Get that out of the way. Okay. All right. So, um, he's coming back to Detroit. Minister Malik Shabazz uh, of Detroit is bringing him back, uh, Friday, December 8th, Saturday, December 9th. And professor Coppa is going to do a two day lecture series. The first day he's going to talk about, um, uh, well, he's going to deal with, um, the, uh, African presence in early America or African presence in the Americas. And then he'll also talk about, uh, Ancient African boat building, ancient African boat building. Okay, so we want to welcome back to the African History Network show one of my teachers, Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene. Hotep, brother, how you doing today?
1: Hotep to my brother Michael M. Hotep. I am doing excellent, brother, and it's great to be back on your show again. Thanks Absolutely. for inviting
0: me. Oh, no problem, man. No problem. Okay, so, um, and I'm getting some, uh, what is that? Okay, I guess something's moving around over here on your end. All right, so. You have a two-day lecture series coming up uh here in Detroit, what you call Moortown, uh Friday, December 8th, Saturday, um de- Friday, December 8th, Saturday, December 9th. And uh, I wanted to uh talk to you about that um uh, uh, some. Um uh, Africans uh, in early America and ancient African boat building, and then also I want to get your input because when you were here in Fr- when you were here for Black Friday, uh, November twenty fourth at the Charles H Wright Museum of African American History, when we did the panel discussion about the film Black Friday Part Two, and I'm wearing my Black Friday Part Two um, uh, T-shirt, you talked about. Um, the conflict going on in Israel and the Palestinians and this, like, and that, right. You dealt with that history. Well, it's just been announced by MSNBC and all the major news outlets that this fool Donald Trump is going to, uh may, he's going to acknowledge uh Jerusalem as the capital of Israel. And they're talking about the political fallout about that. So I want to I want to get your input from that based upon a historical perspective. Okay. But um first off, I want to deal with what are you going to talk about uh when you come back to Detroit December 8th and 9th?
1: You, you know what's interesting, brother, is that uh you once invited me uh mm-hmm. where, where we spoke at Nandi's. Remember, we did that yeah. piece. I think you have a four-part series. Yeah. And uh, we discussed. Seven hours. <laughs> yeah. That was, that was a serious day. Yeah. And we, you know, we, we were talking about the African presence in America. Yeah. And what I find uh, really very interesting, and mm-hmm. one of the things that I've always told my students, I told my children, I tell anyone that our history is still unfolding. Right. And that there is still a what great a deal more to learn. And one of the interesting things is when I spoke at Nandis the last time, I didn't have anywhere near the amount of knowledge that is in the book, The First Africans, uh, uh, The First Americans Were Africans by Dr. David Imhotep. Right. Since that time, Dr. Imhotep and I have uh, become uh, associates, friends even, I would say. Absolutely conversations that we have, and we've done joint interviews together mm-hmm. um, on on various uh, Google and Zoom Hangout. So the point that I'm making is that I'm coming back to Detroit with much more knowledge about the first Americans, uh, with a clearer scientific understanding of what we have to do as a people to understand who we are. The other piece, though, as an educator, as a curriculum writer, as someone who's been with children, teaching children, I also know that there's certain other topics, subjects that you have to cover that lead people to understanding. For instance, the idea of um, the proverb, uh, there's a brother, Gary Holland, in Indianapolis that I once heard say, you know, when someone tells a perfect lie, the truth is unbelievable. Right. And our perception of African-American history uh, is so distorted and contaminated as it relates to what those who are writing the books are saying that one of the early things that I'm going to do, and I know we've spoken about this before, is I'm going to uh, talk about cognitive dissonance. Yes. You know, I've, I've heard you say a lot of times particularly when you're opening up your presentations, you talk about the parameters of what you know. Right. And, um, and you know. The comforts you, of awareness. E- exactly. You see, and as a people, as human people, our brains are, are triggered and developed by the, the world around us. So that when you read a book such as Dr. David Mhotep's book, or if you read the book by Nasser Ali, uh, right. titled Paleo Americans. This was, uh, that that one is Dr. David M. Hoteb's book. Right. But there's there there are books with phenomenal bibliographies. Um, BBC has done various programs. Uh, there mm-hmm. are scientific ways that we now can trace who the original people look like, right. and it's 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 done by a craniometric machine. Cranial meaning skull. Metric means to measure. They're measuring the skull of the early peoples that they are finding. And they're developing ways to look at prognostic and orthognathic and hyponathic uh, jaws and begin to develop uh, a way to judge these individuals. That's science. That's yes. evidence. You know, that's not arguing, going back and forth. This is not emotional. And so the other piece that's very important. Is you have to build a case. Uh, I think that Dr. David Hotep does brilliantly. And I a- anticipate his second revised edition of The First Americans Were Africans, because yes. I know that his approach is like a is is like an investigator, like a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And the way in which he unfolds the book takes you to a point where by the time you finish the book, you're you're clearly understanding what's going on. Right. So hey, this, hey,
0: Professor Kappa, just one quick thing. Okay, I'm getting the echo on your end. So um y- you don't have any audio coming through speakers over there, do you? No, N- no, I okay. don't. All right. I'm not sure why I'm getting the echo on. Uh, this because thing. that's
1: why I put the headset on.
0: Okay. Uh, okay. Go ahead and keep talking.
1: Could my volume be up a little bit too high? If I if if it, I bring my it, volume out,
0: okay. It's coming the echo is coming through my mixer board. Okay. But it may be okay. I'm okay. checking on um Facebook, and I don't hear the echo, and I'm also recording this on Audacity as an audio backup. So just go ahead. Just go ahead.
1: So the, 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 the evidence that I'd like to present in the curriculum that I developed when I first came back from um, uh, Egypt for the um, second time, 1987, I went to the Nubian Conference. And over in 1984, I went to Mexico with Dr. Van Sertima to study. And okay. I went to eat Comet for the first time in 1983, so that by 1986 I had accumulated information and a an, an approach towards studying uh, the African presence in America. So that it becomes important that one of the things that is is valuable for evidence is to understand something that I'm going to show the audience. Uh, on uh, Friday Saturday yes, and that is the river systems of Africa, the ancient river systems of Africa because over the thousands of years of existence, land has dumped up on many of the rivers and the tributaries that led from those particularly the happy River. And so what the family should understand is that in the ancient world when Africans were only located in Africa in particular, from southern Africa to Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania, Congo, the rivers were connected so that you could get from the Hapi River to the Limpopo River in the south. You could get from the Hapi River to the Congo River. You could get from uh, the Hapi River to the Congo River, which could then get you to the Niger River that could get you to the Senegalese River. In the ancient world, I've just developed this uh, five-part series on ancient West Africa going into the uh, ancient kingdoms, beginning with, as, as you reminded me, Wagadu. Yes. Which is Ghana. West Africa, Ghana. See, yes. we're, see, we're caught up in the word Ghana, but we don't know that that's what the kings were called. The exactly. kings were called Ghana. In, exactly. in Mali, they were called Mansa. In mm-hmm. Songhai, they were called Askia. So yes. that when we talk about Ghana, we're talking about a name that we gave the king, but we're not yes. talking about the way in which the land was referred to as it relates mm-hmm. to Wagadu. Wagadu. So that in this area, what we're finding is that from the Atlas Mountains um, in, in North Africa, coming down through southern Mauritania, there was a river in, in the ancient world known as the Tamanra Set. Okay. The reason why this is important is to lay the groundwork for the African peoples to become experts on water travel, because their trade, their communications, their foods, uh, the need for water in their agriculture, the need for their water for their past uh, pastoralists—if uh, they had sheep or goats or whatever it was—they needed to understand the water systems. And so it becomes important that if you have a demand for a water system, then you will also have a demand for developing craft that you can put on the water to get you various places. Right. So the idea of boat building becomes very important in the study of how Africans would have even been on the waters in the first
0: place. Hey, Professor Kaba, your volume dropped out uh, for that last couple of sentences, your volume um went uh much lower. I'm not sure okay. what happened here. How how about now? Let me let me check something here cuz also I'm monitoring this on Facebook through my phone and your volume dropped out. Uh so let me just tr- try to boost your volume here. Okay, go ahead and continue.
1: Well, just to pick up from where we left off in case my volume dropped off is the idea of a people who are waterbound, a people who are on rivers, a people who are traveling on rivers are going to create that which they need in order to keep them on the waters, which would be the reason why these boats would be created. Right. And I'm going to develop and show visually some of the boats that were uh, developed according to the works of uh, Dr. Ivan Van Sertema, Dr. Lawrence, uh, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Dr. Kofi Lawrence, um, uh, Stuart Malloy. Uh, and others that are going to demonstrate going, uh, going on to the waters and how they could have traveled across the African continent, leading them to the Mediterranean Sea in the north and to the Atlantic uh, in the west, not to mention the, the east, which was known as the Ethiopian River. So, and the Red Sea, of course, you're going to have this, this travel that is going to boom the, the trade and communications of a people. So that the that concept of boat building becomes very important in terms of the evidence that's going to bring Africans to America. And so you then get into trade. We'll talk about trade, which is the boats will tell you how they got where they got. Trade right. trade is going to tell you why they got where, where they got. I'm, I'm answering fundamental questions. As to why Africans would have found themselves in America, not just exploratory, but actually trading with the world. And so it becomes important that you lay out the evidence, not just that we're going to show the compass and the early compasses that were created that allowed. The the African travelers to be able to know where they were going. So that's another question that we're answering, you know. They knew where they were going, and not just that, but we're also going to do a a, a short piece on latitude and longitude lines, which is going to show the evidence as to the fact that they knew where they were going because they had already divided the world up. the The Great Pyramid of Khufu, the thirtieth meridian, uh, uh, the, the the grand gallery is on what today is the third uh, a latitude east, the third. 30th latitude, um, uh, 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 longitude. In, in, it, it is 30, 30, 30 east. In fact, it is said that that grand gallery actually is the zero zero mark on the planet and the ancients had that type of scientific knowledge to know the way in which the world was tilted, the way in which the, the, the land mass itself had established itself, that that mark that we today call 30 North, 30 East actually is the zero, zero mark on the planet. And that is why Khufu's pyramid is built where it is. Wow. So we're answering certain questions now for the, uh, for the community. Now we're going to get into another concept. The okay. actual The actual MERS, as uh, Anthony Browder calls them. We call them pyramids. Our ancestors right. called them MERS, the pyramids.
0: Spell that, please. Mer. Spell that, please. A- M-E-R. M-E-R. Okay.
1: M-E-R. And if you want a plural, you add a U. We don't add... Uh, in, in, in the African language, you, you don't add an S. Like, we add pyramids. Right. In the Kemetic language, you add a U. So if you said Mer and you wanted to indicate multiple mers, you say Meru.
0: Meru, yeah.
1: Meru, because U is the plural that makes the singular plural.
0: Like Neturu. Exactly, like
1: yes. exactly, and then people say "hotepu," as yes, they say "anku." Uh, okay. That "u" is multiple. So that one of the things that we have to do, and I'm going to show, is the importance of why the pyramids were built, or okay. one of the reasons why they were built, which is going to lead to understanding why the mounds are in America, because the mounds actually are pyramids or mer, "meru." Right. They're, right. they're, they're, they actually are, and they, they all come from agriculture. Mm-hmm. The earliest and most important earthly science is agriculture. Yeah, That's why I always say to people, the concept of economics, people talk about economics. Money is not economics. Money right. controls the economic system, but mm-hmm. it is not economics. Echo comes from the Greek word. Which is an African word, but we're not going to go there now. <laughs> Meaning, because I, you know, I could trace it all back to Africa, but exactly. you know, after a while, you spend more time tracing things back to Africa than explaining the important thing that needs to be done is that echo comes from the Greek word oikos, o i k o s. Oikos means home or environment, right? E- uh, um, so that ecology is the study of your environment. Ecology, yes. Okay, mm-hmm. economy is to know your environment mm-hmm. so that our ancestors saw that agriculture, the ability to feed yourself, was the most powerful tool the human had to survive.
0: Exactly, exactly.
1: And that becomes very important. And if that be the case, then much of the science and much of the scholarship that's going to be created within that nation is going to gear themselves towards making that better for themselves. Right. Right. So right. they started with uh, something um, that was like a sundial. And then out of the sundial, which, which would later become the pyramids, and then mm-hmm. would be even improved to become what we call the tekanu, or the, what we call the obelisks. Yes. I'm gonna show a picture when I come, when we talk about the merus, uh, mer- the meru or the pyramids, That's going to show the sun shining on the pyramid that is casting a shadow. What is important for us to be able to understand is that the reason why you find mounds all over the earth, and I'm going to show you pyramid around the world. Okay. Uh, You've got them in China. You've got them in Vietnam. You've got uh, in Sri Lanka. You've got pyramids throughout the United States, Canada, Peru. You can go down to uh, um, uh, Colombia. You can go to any part of Central America. You have have mounds. You have pyramids. There's a reason for them. Because what our ancestors found out with the sundial in the very early days, the sundial, where the sun casts a shadow, let me give you another example. I use this example also. Okay. When we go to the beach and lay out on the beach, those that want to get a tan, right? Right. They Their optimum time is to be in direct line with the sun so that if you get up real early in the morning before the sun comes out and you lay on the beach, what you are going to do is lay so that your feet or your head is in line with the with exactly where the sun is going to rise in the east as the day goes on the sun travels across the heavens uh or i yeah, well the no the sun don't travel but we travel let's say
0: right the but, earth rotates around the sun exactly the sun exactly moves, yeah the earth rotates
1: around the sun. exactly so yes. the, the, the the concept is wherever the sun is going to be in the sky you want to be pointing to it okay so that the way in which you know that you are in perfect alignment with the sun is you look to your left, you look to your right. If you cast a shadow, you're not in perfect alignment. However, if you are in perfect alignment, there will be no shadow. In fact, the only real shadow you'll have is from the tip of your head just behind you, because that's where you'll, you'll cast a shadow, which is your head, the top of your head, onto the sand or where, wherever you're laying. So that what the... What the, um, what the sundials and what the pyramid mounds and the obelisk did was it allowed the observer, the agriculturalist, to see where the sun was casting a shadow. And according to where the shadow was would either determine the time of day, the time of year or the season that you were experiencing, which allowed the early agriculturalists in Africa to be able to improve their agricultural science. Right. So now that's the reason that, and that's one of the reasons of course, because there's many reasons for the pyramid. Mm-hmm. It's not just one, but the one that I want to talk about is why you would find these mounds all over the world and why you find them in America and why you find Monks Mound. I'm going to show a picture of Monks Mound. Monks Mound. That yep. is in Cahokia or what's well what we call uh um
0: East Illinois. Uh,
1: East East Illinois, you mm-hmm. know, just just near where St. Louis is, you know, right by East St. Louis and uh and it's called Collinsville, Illinois today. But to the Native Americans it's called Cahokia. 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 And these people, the original peoples here, were Africans.
0: Correct. Simple. Cool.
1: The people that we see today who we address as indigenous people
0: Mm -hmm. or Native Americans
1: or Native Americans, when they came here, they came upon an African people.
0: Right. Well, let me. Let me interject and I'm going to ask a couple questions and then uh, we'll get some comments from people on Facebook and YouTube. Uh, so very quickly, uh, let me just welcome everybody to the broadcast today. I'm Michael Limhotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. We're doing a very special broadcast. Normally, normally we do our interviews at night, but Professor Kaba has to get on the road this evening. So we're accommodating his schedule. Uh, we're speaking with Professor Kaba Hiawatha Kamene. you You've seen him in the Black Friday documentaries with myself from director Rick Mathis. You've seen him in 1804, The Hidden History of the Haitian Revolution from Tariq Nasheed and the Hidden Colors documentaries. He is going to be in Detroit. Uh, coming, He's coming back to Detroit Friday, December 8th. 2017 saturday december 9th 2017 at the true oracle of god ministries church 1500 east state fair okay right at hull street h-u-l-l and i-75 freeway right near i-75 freeway minister malik shabazz is bringing him back to detroit once again this is a pre kwanzaa celebration and it's a celebration of uh minister malik shabazz's birthday or earth day and professor kaba khamenei's earth day as well so, uh, Professor Kaba is going to deal with two main topics. He'll deal with the, um uh, uh, African presence in America, in early America, the ancient African presence in early America, and he'll deal with ancient African boat building. Okay. So, uh, Professor Kaba, you talked about the, um, the pyramid mounds, pyramid mounds. And I've interviewed Dr. David M. Hotep a number of times, uh, Those that watch my show, they know this. This is his uh, landmark book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence. This is the first one. Came out about 2011. Uh, Talk about the pyramid mounds and why they were created and approximately how many were here in specifically the land we call the United States of America and who built them. The people that built these mounds are coming from the,
1: the very earliest of people, The paleo-americans okay these are the first human beings that are going to come to this part of the world and as dr david and hotep shows and again i'm going to show a map because you know brother imhotep we have to have evidence correct you know when we come before our people and and respect the intelligence of science to present evidence not an emotion, not something that's coming off the top, so that the evidence is the fact that it is a mm-hmm. shorter route from the, the west coast of Africa to the east coast of America than it would be from Australia or the Far East to the American continent. So the first peoples that came here came here directly okay. from Africa. And so that becomes very important for us to understand because, like I say, and I taught social studies, all the grades, so I know that we got this bearing straight thing tattooed on our minds.
0: Just just one second, man. Your your camera camera dropped out. Let me try to reconnect you here. Uh, Okay, your camera dropped out. So let me just one second. Let me look at this here. You're on screen Uh, okay, let me do this. Let me disconnect and reconnect you here. Just a second. Invite on screen because you dropped out of, uh, the camera here. Okay. So accepted on your end and we should be able to reconnect. Okay. Go ahead and say something. I'm gonna try to fix the camera. Go ahead and say something. Go ahead and continue.
1: Of humans traveling continent of Africa to America becomes very important. Okay. The idea of the river systems that could get them across the West Africa Mm -hmm. becomes very important. Okay. This is the evidence that Dr. Imhotep is talking about. Yes. But the question now, the overall, the overarching concept that I'm presenting is that what I want to do when I return to Moortown on Friday and Saturday is to demonstrate how we can teach this to our children, how we can implement this in the curriculum, Mm -hmm. how we can implement this as it relates to American history. Because if what we're saying is, has the evidence to be true, we're talking about African American history, not a 1492 African American history. We're talking about American history and the fact that Americans were peopled by Africans. Originally. Exactly. The second, Clovis Folsom, African, the third movement of Africans. And we're talking about over thousands and thousands of years because- David Imhotep is is pushing us back now. He's he told me the other day that he's pushing us back to 120, hundred and thirty thousand years ago that there are humans. Now, when you tell this to people like when they've been lied to for so long, it's hard. Cognitive dissonance kicks exactly. in. Exactly. And exactly. And there are two things that you do when confronted with cognitive dissonance. Mm-hmm. You, you either adjust your thinking to the new information you found or you tenaciously cling to the untruth that you thought you knew. Right, right. So there's two choices that you make, or you just don't listen. You could have a third choice, you just don't listen. <laughs> la, 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 la. I don't want to hear this.
0: Exactly. No <laughs> you know? let, let, let me say this quickly. So Dr. David Imhotep, in his book, The First Americans Were Africans, Documented Evidence, he talks about the Khoisan. Khoisan have the mm-hmm. oldest DNA on the planet. They come from Southern Africa. They're the ancestors to the Ainu and the Twa. So he talks about them coming to this country. Today, we call the United States of America the contiguous United States. Okay. Uh, at least fifty one thousand seven hundred years ago. And he deals with the, uh, discovery by, um, uh, Dr. Albert Goodyear, uh, archeologist from the university of South Carolina discovered in 2004. Um, so, uh, and he also talks about, uh, so these were the original Americans and they were here before the people who we call the native Americans or the Indians. Asians come here to this land about 3000 BC and they intermix with the Africans who are here and their offspring or who we call Native Americans. These were still a dark skinned people. Okay. Uh, But Mm -hmm. the other thing is, and I want you to address this uh, as well. The other thing is, is that when Europeans come to this land, you're going to have the Spanish coming here before the British. Okay. And this is something Mm -hmm. that's not talked about. Juan Ponce de Leon comes to Florida in 1513, and Juan Garrido, who's an African, comes with them. We have we have the Spanish taking Africans into the territory we today call South Carolina, enslaving them in the 1520s. This is this is 100 years before Jamestown, Virginia, August 20th, 1619. But when Europeans come to this land, one of the things they're going to do is reclassify um, groups of indigenous African people, reclassify them as Native Americans as well. Okay, so. You have uh, black African people. We classify as Native Americans, but we don't even understand that. Okay, um, Captain John Smith taught in Jamestown, Virginia, sixteen oh seven. He talks about being captured by a group of black Indians. And Dr. David M. Hotel deals with that here in his book. I think it's page sixty seven, something like that. He talks about that. So talk about that for a minute about the relabeling of some groups of. Indigenous African people in this land as Native Americans, which then causes confusion. Also,
1: well, then you go back to Cristobal Colon yes. uh, telling an untruth by talking about West Indies. Yes, you see, this whole concept of West Indies is is absolutely a farce. Yes, <laughs> yes. Columbus. Cologne knew where he was going. Mm -hmm. He had been told by Cape Verdeans and by West Africans, because he was with the Portuguese in the beginning. He wasn't with the Spanish. We can trace, as Dr. Van Sertema says, you can trace uh, Christopher Columbus on the coast of West Africa in 1482, Mm -hmm. 10 years before 1490.
0: Picking up African slaves,
1: 1482. But you see, what is happening at this point is... That you have another group of Africans coming to America with the Spaniards. Mm-hmm. Those are the ones that are, are, are homeowners and landowners that have been captured as moors. Yes. And in order for the Spaniards to steal their land, they took them and they resettled them in the Americas. Yes,
0: they kicked them out of Spain. Yes. Yes.
1: yes. You see, and they literally physically brought them mm-hmm. to America mm-hmm. and brought them here. So you have groups of Africans with prior wealth, yep. knowledge, wisdom, schooling. In fact, they were the lords of, of Europe at this time. They were in. Charge. And they
0: were gentrified. That's what happened. Gentrification. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. exactly.
1: Yep. So you have
0: another group of Africans that are brought yes. here.
1: As well as other Africans that were brought by the other, by the British and the French and all the rest, they all are bringing their Moors or blackamoors Moors with mm-hmm. them in order to resettle them away from the land that they own. Right. And so it just is, you, you know. Just to stick a pin for a right. moment, I'm I'm watching uh, this preparation for the marriage of of, of Harry uh-huh. <laughs> with with his right. sister. Yep. And everybody's talking about an, an, an African-American uh, being in the royal family. Right. But nobody's talking about Charlotte Sophia, the great, great, great grandmother, if I'm right, of Queen Elizabeth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, the work that J.A. Rogers did on Charlotte Sophia showing the pictures of who this woman actually was right. and the the lack of knowledge of how many black folk were the royal family of Europe and the Europeans married into them to become royal. Right. And so it becomes important. Yeah,
0: okay. Yeah, so this is my presentation, Great African Women in History, The Mothers of Civilization. I deal with uh, Queen Charlotte Sophia in the presentation. She was the wife of King George the Third during the American Revolutionary War. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you
1: see, so that this is the, you know, th- these are the types of, of situations. And uh, William... And I believe Kate, his mm-hmm. wife, have a daughter named Charlotte. Yes. But nobody's talking about who that child is exactly. named after. That child's named after a black In
0: Charlottesville, girl. Charlottesville, Virginia.
1: Yes. All that.
0: That's named yes. after Queen Charlotte. It was an African yes. woman of African descent. Yes.
1: That's yes. it. And, and you see, these are just some of the, the things. And again, it goes back to the concept. When someone tells a perfect lie, the truth is unbelievable. Right. And so this information that we are now coming upon is just so liberating to think of, and it allows us to redirect our own destiny as to how we are going to define who we are as a people. Mm-hmm. And what we have to really understand and know about the presence of Africans here in the Americas, and who the Africans were, and to, and to understand that here in America, as African and African Americans, that there is... African blood in us that did not come via the transatlantic
0: enslavement process. <laughs> say that again. And let's, let's break that down. Something. And the reason why I say that, man, okay. is because when I talk to some African Senate scholars who have PhDs in African American studies or Afro-American studies, and they haven't read the first Americans with Africans documented evidence, they confuse what you and I say with, some of the quote unquote more some of the moors who say the transatlantic slave trade never happened and we have always been here. They confuse exactly. us talking about the Khoisan exactly. coming here at least 51,700 years ago and being here before Native Americans. And this being our land stolen from us. They confuse that with people who say the transatlantic slave trade never happened. And that's not that's not what neither one of us are saying. And that's not what Dr. David Mhotep is saying either. We all three acknowledge the no. transatlantic slave trade. I, I talk about how you have to understand a chronology of history. So, So talk about that for a minute, please.
1: That's exactly. They're all right. Yes. But they are partially right in partial yes. ways. The transatlantic slave trade has been documented. Absolutely. It did Absolutely. happen. There's no question that happened. Yep. And Africans were brought here. Mm-hmm. No question. And living here, they developed into who they were. Right. At the same time, there's another part of American history. And that part of American history talks about the African that came here thousands of years ago and was the first human beings to be here. We classify them as paleo-Americans, right. ancient Americans, paleo-ancient, right. ancient Americans. And this is the Khoisan. They were, this would be the Khoisan. This would be the Khoisan. This would definitely be the Khoisan. But we also have to look at the research that shows the Congo. Yes. Because the, 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 the Khoisan, the short-statured mm-hmm. people... Of, in fact, when you look at Nelson Mandela's face, he looks Khoi. Yeah. You know, when you look at Robert Mugabe, mm-hmm. he is what's called, if I may use this word, Bantu, mm-hmm. which is a a, a more melanated, uh, hair is much curlier, wide is much, nose is broader, lips are much larger. Right. When you're talking about the koi San, they are derogatorily called the Khoi. Are derogatorily called the Hottentot. Right. Okay. The San is derogatorily called the Bushmen. Mm -hmm. The Khoi are people who developed their life systems around the Kalahari Desert in Southern Africa. The San people are the ones that were more in the vegetal state. They were more in the areas where there was bush. The Khoi San are one people, but you talk about them as it relates to their geographic evolution. Right. One by the desert, the other by the bush or the vegetation. What we have are people who are over thousands of years now. We're talking thousands of years, which means we're going to have to push the origin of the human family back millions of years. Mm -hmm. I I don't accept the numbers that they have. We're going back far further. We're going farther back into the Miocene period which began, give or take, 25 million years ago, going back further than that. Because the people who are making these dates have no idea of history. They were not around. Okay, And they have no interest in being truthful. Right. And I don't blame them. Because if I were them, I would not, thinking the way they think, I would not tell us the truth either. To let us understand that the first human beings coming here we're a short-statured people, known as, they call themselves Mosha, M-M-O-E-T-I-A. Yes. They're called Buti, they're called Twa, and they're derogatorily called the Pygmies. Yes. These were the first people that people the planet. There was nobody else on the planet but them. Mm-hmm. So that they're gonna to come to America and they're gonna bring their technology with them. And they're going to study the heavens and update the information that they perfected before they even came to America. They're going to build mounds. And these mounds are going to allow them to be able to continue to follow the stars, but from where they are. And that's why when you line up all the mounds and all the pyramids, they are all pointing in the same direction. If you look at the three, all of the three, Khufu, Kafra, and Menkara, going back to Giza, right. Egypt. Right. If, if you go back to those pyramids, the entrance to the pyramids are on the north side. Okay. If you look through those entranceways up into the heavens, they all point to the north star. Mm. So by the time they got up to this point of the world, by the time the Kushites got up into this part of the world, they were the reason why you have Africans. In this Giza area, in the first place, was because, geometrically speaking, their mathematicians were searching for the zero-zero mark on the planet, and that's why the pyramids are built there. And that's a pyramid city. There's like eighty pyramids in that city in Giza, and it was walled in Giza. It's walled, right. You know, near today's Cairo, right? But it, it, it was a walled-in city, and those. The three pyramids in particular, and you see again, we get into this, and this is why we got to keep this away from them. Because the first thing they want to do is call the three big ones the kings and the three small ones the queens. Mm-hmm. The size of the pyramid had nothing whatsoever to do with male and female. Right. It, it had to do with lines of sight into the heavens. That's what you're dealing with lines of sights into the heavens that can allow you to accurately map the heavens in order to create your cylindrical system that is going to allow you to grow an agricultural system that is far superior than what you know. So they were always trying to build it. And then as they travel the world, they would build these mounds and these pyramids in various ways, but built them in the same directions in order to understand the heavens in order to understand the earth. And so that's where in the Qibayen, the concept of as above, so below comes from.
0: Right, so so um, talk about once again, why the zero zero mark was so important in the pyramid building on the Mer building in Giza. Okay, and then I wanna get back to uh, the Spaniards, especially in Europeans, but especially the Spaniards kicking the moors out of europe and bringing them here talk about that zero zero mark again please why was that so important
1: when we we have studied and we teach about this single continent that existed we call it pan oh, or Pangea. P-Pangea. okay how yes. in, however you pronounce it
0: mm-hmm.
1: in the shabaka stone our ancestors called it Pata. it was the hill that rose up out of the waters okay This hill that rose up out of the waters shined, the sun shined directly on this hill. In the center of the hill, the top of the hill, okay, this hill was all the continents. But on the top of the hill is where the African continent was. Okay. Where the sun shone the brightest was in the equatorial area of the top of the hill, which is the countries we today call Kenya, Uganda, and Tanzania. But when you look at what the ancestors called the foothills of the mountain of the moon, you see, they yes. were talking scientifically. They were speaking in metaphor. Mm-hmm. When they talked about, I came from the foothills of the mountain of the moon where the god Hapi dwells. Happy dwells.
0: Yes. That Yosef being Yakanin exactly. talked about that.
1: You see? That. Yes. That was a metaphor. That was mm-hmm. the metaphor for that surrounding area of the foothills of the mountain, because you got mountains of the moon uh in both Tanzania and in Uganda. Yes. Okay. And so when they talked about a foot, they were talking about a geographic location where where the human family first came from. And so that, in this happening, at some point in time, before humans were on the planet, there were serious geological eruptions, everything from earthquakes to volcanoes. And eventually, the Earth started to crack, and it started to separate. This hill started to separate, and it, okay. it shifted its place as it related to, and then when the 23 and the third uh, axis occurred and all the rest of that, it pushed everything in a certain way. Our ancestors realized as they studied that they had to get to the original site of where the zero, zero mark would be as you were not the original site, but the new site, because the earth is constantly shifting. It's changing. Mm -hmm. And what they were searching for was the zero, zero mark where the point of the deepest penetration of sunlight hit. Not so much the hottest place, but where the sunlight hit at the most opportune time. And that's the zero, zero mark. It is not in Greenwich, England. It's not there. (laughs) Okay. It's just not there. It's not scientifically there. It is the Pyramid of Khufu. And the 30th Mm -hmm. parallel north and the 30th parallel east latitude and longitude line Actually, the original zero, zero mark on the planet where where, and that may shift. It may shift again. We're in constant change so that the science has to change. But but we're dealing with a a rather ignorant people, Brother Imhotep. These these folks just don't get it. You know, right now it is 55 degrees. Tomorrow, they say it's going to be 61 degrees in New York City. Mm-hmm. Now, brother, in all my years growing up in New York City, by now we had some long johns and some heavy coats,
0: <laughs>
1: even some <laughs> snow galoshes and everything else getting out here.
0: Right.
1: There's a change in the weather occurring. Mm-hmm. And they are denying that this is happening. And I believe that the human family has got to collect themselves and look at the truth mm-hmm. and develop an understanding of of the fact that they can't get over that black folk are the only folk on the planet. And that everybody else has a version of the original African. Even I don't look like the original person that was on the planet. Mm -hmm. I I don't look like them. My, My complexion may be close to theirs, but there are so many phenotypical and morphological differences between myself and the original human being that I'm not saying what I'm saying because I'm African and they're African. I'm saying this because there is a scientific truth that shows where life came from and what brings life into existence. And the way in which we can uh, uh, continue this life uh, on earth is to know the truth and to adjust our world around those truths to be able to move forward. But the zero zero mark is where the the most intense energy is located. And that's why the pyramids are the way they are because our ancestors understood energy. They understood photovoltaics. Yeah. What the sun creates electricity. Photovoltaics, right. electricity, voltaics. Photo is light. Photosynthesis is what 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 light brings together. Photovoltaics is is the electricity that brought that's brought forward by by light.
0: Spell photovoltaics, please. P
1: H O T O V O L T a-I-C-S. You know, I, I was in a presentation with uh, Dr. Sebi one time, and he was telling me about photovoltaics. I asked him, Dr. Hi, uh, uh, uh how you spell voltaics? He said, you're the teacher. I have no idea. You find out. <laughs> <laughs> but he was talking about um, the electricity created by the sun in the earth that brings the energy into the foods that we eat. Okay. And he was talking yes. about the three sisters and about how crop rotation was very important to the Mm -hmm. earth that you, you might grow corn and lima beans. And, and there was a third sister. There was a third crop that they grew in rotation that when you grew corn in the earth, not only did you grow a good corn crop, but it, but it also brought forward the next uh, crop. Let's say it was squash. That's the third sister squash. So that in growing corn, you not only grew a good crop, but you fertilize the earth, you energize the earth to bring forward the next crop that you would grow there known as squash. You then mm-hmm. grew the, the squash and the squash then through photovoltaics brought the electricity into the earth to bring forward a good lima bean crop. The lima bean crop would be, come forward a strong crop, but it would bring the electricity to the earth to now go back and grow a good corn crop. And so our ancestors understood this dynamics of the sun to the earth. And that's why I say the future wealth of the planet is solar power. Teach our children about the sun. Get them into after school programs dealing with solar power, renewable energy. That is the future wealth. And isn't it wonderful that where the sun shines the brightest, the people are the blackest?
0: Yes, yes. Um, you know, you talked about when you were here in Detroit, uh, November 24th at the Charles E. Wright Museum of African-American History, you talked about the solar power, uh, things like that. So that's extremely important. Um, I wanted to uh, hit on the uh, more you talked about the uh, especially the Spaniards kicking the moors out so we know january 2nd 1492 the moors lose control of their last stronghold in spain which was grenada okay and we know uh, august 2nd 1492 we know that the sephardine the sephardic jews were expelled out of spain in august 3rd 1492 columbus set sail on the nina the penton the santa maria for the so-called new world um uh, we have Juan Ponce de Leon, one of the uh, Spanish conquistadors, if I remember correctly, coming to uh, the land we call the today the United States of America, 1513 in, in Florida. Um, at what point are the Spaniards kicking out moors and bringing them to the land we call the united states and were they enslaving these moors also T- talk about that and where, where did they where did they take them here in this land
1: uh it was part and part as as okay. dr van Sertima shows that there were twin brothers known as the pinzone brothers who were on who owned one of the sh- the three ships that came to america mm-hmm. there mm-hmm. were africans who had still great influence in the spanish court
0: Okay. Yes,
1: but then there were the ones that, again, the intrigue would then have them be captured and brought to America and dumped here. Okay. And these Africans would also uh, be brought to what we call the southern part of Florida. Um, Estevanico uh, was a, a story mm-hmm. that Jan Carew told in in uh, his book *Fulcrums of Change*. He had a whole chapter on Estevanico, Little Stephen, who was brought here. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was a, a herbalist. He was a priest, an African priest. And he was well-versed, and that's what allowed him to cross uh, through the northwest, uh, uh, the southwest part of the United States because Native Americans respected his abilities with herbs. He was looked upon as a medicine man. And so there were Africans that were brought here with talent, and there were other Africans that were brought here uh, as uh, well, fifteen oh five, you're going to have uh, the enslavement uh, process begin uh, with the Spaniards, and so what we're looking at is a, a story that it's it's part and part. Okay. Some of them are going to come in fully uh, engaged and in charge, working for the Spanish crown. There'll be others who will be captured and brought here, and. Um, You know, the story is, is that, uh, well, slavery did not exist in Africa, not that we know it today. The slavery, there's a difference between the enslavement of Africans amongst Europeans who Mm
0: -hmm.
1: created a concept of a legal system, an institution that did not exist in the world prior to European doing this. Right. Even the Arab, as brutal as the Arab slave trade was, you still were a human being. You could buy yourself out of your condition. The children born to you were born free. But in the institution here, it was a totally different concept.
0: Yeah, the chattel slave. Yeah,
1: exactly. And, you know, what's interesting is that, you know, people go to Wall Street, you know, and you sell in stocks and bonds. But very few people ever examined that word stocks and bonds. Right. Because you're living with you you're dealing with what 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 is stock? Well, livestock. Mm. Livestock in bondage.
0: <laughs> okay, so stocks and bonds, live stocks and bonds. And you know, I just I just invested in some cryptocurrency. So then I went and ordered some books. I, I already had this one, Guide to Understanding Personal Finance from, from uh, the Wall Street Journal. Then I got a couple other books, Guide to Understanding Money and Investing. Guide to planning your financial future, but when we deal with this, and I'm not against African people, you know, having investments, things like this. We talk about stocks and bonds, right? And you talk about livestock and bondage, bondage, okay? And we never, we never study where the term stocks and bonds exactly. come from. Talk exactly.
1: About that. I mean, we just don't study that. You know, we don't see right. the, the, you know, the the origins of these types of words, stocks and bonds. I mm-hmm. mean, where would that come from? When we, we, we right. were reduced to shadow slavery, we were part of their livestock
0: well the, it was African slaves who were the original commodity yes, traded on exactly. Wall
1: Street that's exactly that's okay. exactly what it was. and for those that are familiar with New York, you know that when yes. you got off the boat on the um, on what might be considered the western side what we call Battery Park, where those boats mm-hmm. came in, they would march you across from the west to the east over to Wall Street. But along the ways, the Africans that were not going to be sold right away, they had jails on this particular pathway going through. Okay. And, well, another word uh, for jail could be called chambers. So we have a street in New York called Chambers Street.
0: Okay. And Chambers Street
1: was where Africans (laughs) were put in chambers before they were marched to Wall Street. The ones that would be sold would be marched across – Die Hard. I think uh, I may not have the right uh, title of the movie with with uh, Bruce Willis. Oh, Bruce
0: Will-
1: yeah, yeah. Where where you actually go into Wall Street? He takes you down into the prisons where Africans were held before they were brought up to be sold on the stock market.
0: Uh, underground, underground, underground.
1: And then you got Wall- to you got to ask yourself, well, why mm-hmm. is it called a market? Well, livestock mm-hmm. in the marketplace, right? I mean, I mean, why would it be called the stock market? Market. Right, you see, <laughs> and then of course you study the work of Dick Gregory, where he talks about uh, the work that um, that that Henry Ford did not create. You know, you, you know, uh, it, it, it the automobile. Well, his thing was he didn't know how to reproduce it, okay, in mass. It right. was George Washington Carver that taught him that, right? And that's right. why they're called plants because mm-hmm. that's what. Dr. Uh, uh, George uh, 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 Washington Carver. these words are in front of us. But when other people define yeah. them, we misunderstand what's going on this. And so it becomes important.
0: Well, well we have to understand the etymology of words exactly. because the etymology of the words deals with history. Exactly. also. So, so we have to understand this. But, you know, uh, also with very,
1: that etymology, mm-hmm. brother, that etymology will only bring you back as far as the Greek and the Roman. And that mm-hmm. becomes a problem yeah. too, because most of the stars in the heavens are named in Arabic, because okay. it was the Moors that taught uh, astronomy to Europe. Mm-hmm. So most of the stars, yeah. regals, Sirius, all these are really Arabic words that Europeans just put in their vocabulary.
0: So Arabic words, well, we know Sirius. Now, Sirius is Greek, isn't it? Is not a Greek well, word? Well, you can, so well, you can take that back to Africa with Osiris, Osiris, o, Osiris, Osiris. But, but, but that was uh, Sigitolo um, uh, amongst the Dogon. They had uh, Potolo, Sigitolo, and Potolo. Exactly. Okay, amongst the Dogon, the Dogon originally come from Kemet. Today, they're in uh, Mali, West exactly. Africa, and Burkina Faso. Exactly. Uh when I did my research on the uh Sirius, yeah. And I and I I think uh the research actually showed uh, Sirius from Osiris. Yes. Uh, but it was Greek, and we know Osiris is a Greek word from Osar, the Kemet, Exactly. The metal. Exactly. Uh, very quickly here, we're gonna wrap up here in a few minutes. I know you got to get on the road. Uh, it's always great talking oh, nice. to you. So, so those in Detroit, right? So those in Detroit. Or those who wish they were in Detroit this weekend, you can still come. You may not want to live here with this gentrification taking place, but you want to be here Friday, December 8th and Sunday, December 9th. And if and if you don't get out and vote uh in Atlanta, you're gonna have some more gentrification coming if this white woman uh becomes mayor of Atlanta. That's a slap in the face to Mayor Jackson. I'm just saying, okay. That's a slap in the face to Mayor Jackson if they let this go down in Atlanta. But um, we're speaking with Professor Kabah the Kamene. Formerly known as Booker T. Coleman. I'm Michael M. Hotep, founder of the African History Network, host of the African History Network show. He'll be here in Detroit uh, this coming Friday, uh, December 8th, Sunday, December 9th or Saturday, December 9th. At the uh, True Oracle of God Ministries Church. Okay, 1500 East State Fair. Uh, We'll have the flyer later on today. Uh, Hopefully, I got to put it together. I told Minister Malicia Baz I'll do a flyer for him. It's been very hectic. Uh, Yesterday, I was at the rally at Hartford Memorial Baptist Church here in Detroit. The rally and support uh, to call for due process for Representative John Conyers. So I was tied up with that yesterday. And you saw the Facebook Live broadcast I did of that. And we know today he announces retirement after 53 years in the uh, U.S. House of Representatives, the low, longest serving congressman. Okay. But Professor Cobb is coming back to Detroit, two day lecture series. He'll deal with the African presence in early America. And he'll deal with ancient African boat building. So we're talking about some of the subject matter he's going to deal with. And we're dealing with some other, other subjects as well. This all ties to African history and culture and ties to African-Americans because our history and culture gives us our foundation. It gives us our VIPs, our values, our interests and our principles as Professor James Small and Dr. Linda Jeffries teaches us, two of, two of my other teachers, and it influences our economic empowerment and political empowerment. So, all this is interrelated, interconnected. It's not just economics alone, it's not just politics alone. We have to have a synthesis of all of this, okay? Um, there's an article from AtlantaBlackstar.com called Seven Eye Opening Facts on How Wall Street Was Built and Created Via Slavery and I deal with this in some of my presentations, you've heard me talk about this, seven eye-opening facts on how Wall Street was built and created via slavery, okay? We're gonna post this on the thread of our broadcast here on uh, Facebook. But one of the things they talk about in the article is how um, before New York was a British colony, it was in Amsterdam, it was a Dutch colony. It was called New Amsterdam, okay? And the Dutch were taking Africans into that colony in the 1620s. Okay, so right around 1627, they have these Africans build a wall at the northern portion of that colony to keep the uh, so-called Native Americans from coming in, raiding, attacking the colonies, things like this. And 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 this wall is where Wall Street gets its name from. That was a that was a wall built by enslaved Africans. And the first commodity traded on Wall Street were enslaved African people. Okay, so I encourage people to um, check out that article from Atlanta, Blackstar.com, which is an excellent, excellent news source of news, international news, Caribbean news, African news, and history. Okay, you want to um, comment on that uh, for a minute, brother? Yeah, there's
1: a phenomenal book written by William Strickland. It's called Black New Yorkers, also, and, and it, 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 it will complement the Atlanta Star article, also. Mm-hmm. about the chamber street and about wall street and about the stocks and bonds and about the relationship with the dutch because what's important to understand is that um when you have the africans that are going to be uh pushed out of spain some of them don't come to america some are pushed out into europe uh one of the places yes. that embrace them and also embrace um the sephardim and and the peoples of jewish faith that had converted was Amsterdam. Okay. Yeah. And so it'd be so that when you look at that, in fact, when you study this, uh, the history of Ludwig van Beethoven, that's where his family went first. When they left Spain, these Africans went to Amsterdam from Amsterdam. Mm -hmm. They then migrated to Bonn, Germany, and then musically inclined. They then migrated to Vienna, Austria to, to be close to Mozart, you know, Amadeus. So that there's going to be a movement and there's a reason why Amsterdam is going to become what it is now. The other thing is that Amsterdam is going to have New York and Britain is going to control what we today call Suriname. And there was a trade made between these two countries. The Dutch gave New York or New Amsterdam to the British and the British gave Suriname To Holland. And New Amsterdam then becomes New York. Mm -hmm. And I grew up in a project called the Amsterdam Projects that was on Amsterdam Avenue, right down the block from what? Harlem. And one of the things I did when I went to Harlem was when I was developing the work that we were going to do in Holland, uh, the sister uh, Ruth that brought me, she said, well, what should we call it? and i said let's call it the ties that bind us and let's call it mm-hmm. from harlem new york to harlem holland and it was uh they spell it with two a's h a a r l e m in fact i did work in harlem i did a tour of harlem in fact she had a sister bring me on a tour of harlem where
0: wow harlem harlem, harlem, harlem. harlem.
1: yeah where i where i okay. took a tour of that area. And what's interesting, the sister that went on a tour, her mother makes hats in Suriname. Now, this is interesting. You know how, okay, in, in, in America, we sang gospel and we, mm-hmm. we hid our story inside the gospel. We made quilts mm-hmm. that hid our story in the quilts. In right. Brazil, they hid their story in capoeira. They hid their story in things. In Suriname, what these Africans did is that the women would make hats. And every hat said something according to the way the hat was designed. From Hmm. we're going to meet later on tonight to talk, to a baby's going to be born. Whatever the news of the day was, there was an overall structural understanding that the hats would tell you information. It's like the hat was the newspaper of the day or the television of the day. That's what the African people did in the Dutch-speaking islands, Aruba, Bonaire, Curaçao, which is in the Caribbean, but in Suriname, in the uh, north coast of South America. Very interesting story. Uh, Things that are, are, are happening, but that basically is the story of of what happened when New Amsterdam became New York. And they they named it after the,
0: the, the Duke of York. And um the Duke. Okay, they named New York after the Duke of well, York. Well they
1: named New Amsterdam.
0: New Amsterdam, okay. In
1: regards right. to the Duke of York and that's how it became New York.
0: New York, yeah, because you had an old York, you had York in what England. Yes. Uh, York and England, and then you have New York, you have you have England, you have New England. So you're going to have them uh, just renaming uh, and creating communities here based upon what they had where they came from. Okay. All right. Um, You let me see. What what, what was about to say? Uh, Okay. So you talked about Harlem, Holland, H A A H A A. R L E M Harlem, Harlem, and this is where Harlem, New York, comes that's from. That's what a name comes yes. from,
1: Harlem, Harlem. Yes, that's that's wh- you know where they renamed this particular central location. That's in the okay. uh, north. Well, not the northern part, but it's in Manhattan. And, right, and and right, it it goes from well. Now it's 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 changed so much, but basically it's in the 100s. Yeah. 125th Street is the main street. You know, that's that is known for the African community. But at one time it and, and was a Dutch
0: community. A Dutch community, so it's in Holland. You're dealing with the Dutch, so it, it, it makes sense that it's going to be called, uh, named something after what they had there in in uh, in in Holland, in the Dutch Dutch area. Now with gentrification, now they want to call it so- South yeah. Ho, South South Harlem Soha, it is, which is Soha Soha, Yeah, Soha, which just right, like we have
1: Soho, um, which is south of Houston.
0: So in, yeah, in Manhattan, exactly. Houston
1: Street is a main thoroughfare in in, in yeah, lower sure. Manhattan, and Soho is considered south of um of of Holland. But you know, because I, I I I travel in this area constantly and uh, consistently, yes. and I, I understand the re and I understand the regentrification or what they want to call regentrification, whatever they want to call it. But in in our community, there is a spirit that they can never take away from these communities. Harlem will always be mm-hmm. the, will always have that essence and the taste of the
0: African community. There's a mystique. Yeah, there's a mystique yeah. there. There's an enigma yes. because of the history associated with Harlem. When you're talking about the Harlem Renaissance, yes. yes. when you're talking about Malcolm yes. X, yes. you know.
1: Yes. And, and I would say the same thing for Detroit, you know, yes. and, and that's why I was, you know, you never know what is going to be kept in a film. But I remember mm-hmm. that I've been speaking frequently on the relationship between Haiti and Detroit. Yes. I I see Detroit as a, a a very a powerful sign of African achievement. Uh, okay. From Marcus Garvey to Noble Drew Ali to Elijah Muhammad to Malcolm X and then to Motown, mm-hmm. and I've I've always seen this power and. Detroit for me has always been a place that I remembered from a child. It's it's always been there, just like Los Angeles and Compton and Watts has always been a thought in my head. Detroit has always been a center, a heartbeat of, of the African world. And no matter what they do going back into Detroit, no matter what they buy out, the only thing they can do is to submerge the spirit the African spirit, the African Holy Ghost, where they go. uh, They will never be able to do in our community what we do. And wherever we do end up going, we're gonna bring that spirit with us. Because Harlem was not a black neighborhood at one time. You know, we were more downtown and everywhere that we have been has become classic. Another place that was a Mm. black community was the village. That's why they called it the village. It got to okay. be known as the Greenwich Village, but it it was the village. It was a black neighborhood. Okay. Now, from Greenwich Village, where did we move to? We moved to what we today call Times Square. But why is it called Times mm. Square? It was because the New York Times had their headquarters on 43rd and 44th Street. But that was a black neighborhood. And then okay. from Times Square, black folk moved to Harlem. The original okay. Abyssinia Baptist Church was in the Lower East Side. It was Adam Clayton Powell Sr. that moved it to Harlem. But The yeah. Abyssinia Baptist Church, which is now on, I believe, 138th Street, at one time was down um, uh, off of, um, like in the Orchard Street area, which is Lower Manhattan, Lower East Side. So that when, when we understand our history, we understand wherever they have moved us, we have brought our classical African civilization with us, and so wherever we end up, they they can move wherever they want. But wherever we, but if we can get into an economic bearing, that's the key. Get into an economic state of mind where we can't, we we won't move. But as long as we are renters, as long as we don't own, then we're going to be moved wherever the the rent the renter is telling the rentee to go. Economics absolutely,
0: is the answer, absolutely. brother. Well, the, the economics, the foundation yeah. is African history, and yeah, culture, because we, we have a one point three trillion dollar economy. Right. You have to probably cut it in about half to deal with disposable income. But even if we had a 10 trillion dollar economy, if the history and culture is not in place, we'll continue to spend three percent of 97 percent of our dollars with people that don't yeah. look like. And the
1: us. politics is the other side of the pyramid.
0: And Pomba, and yeah, Absolutely. There's an article from the Washington Post. People need to check this out. We just posted it on our thread here on uh, Facebook, the African History Network, and we just posted it on the African History Network and we posted it here on uh, YouTube as well. Uh, this is from the Washington Post from November 27th. Britain's black queen. Will Meghan Markle really be the first mixed race royal? And they talk about Queen Charlotte Sophia here in this article. Show a picture of her. Washington Post. Okay. People need to check this out. So, when they have current events at your child's school, I remember when I was in, when I had world history class in 10th grade, Cass Technical High School, every Friday they had current events have your children take this in for current events deal with some real history take this in for current events that', that, should, that, should, that should really cause a a, a very interesting conversation uh, in school um, and, and, uh, and they might also want to just
1: take a couple of pages uh, from uh, Black Britain uh, modern uh, ancient and oh. modern by uh, David McRitchie. show them, show okay. them some pictures that out, out, they come out of that book.
0: But because that talks about how the original Britons were African yes. people, Is uh, absolutely, that correct? and Ireland,
1: yeah. those two islands.
0: Yes, and in Ireland, and, and the with, Celtic druids, right.
1: and and so that it it, it yeah. leads to going back to leading and getting the ground or the foundations of a Charlotte Sophia in mm-hmm. place. Well, how would an African get there? But the African was already there. Yes, you know. Yes, and that.
0: And when you go
1: into Scandinavia, as Dr. Imhotep talks about, you have the short-statured people, the Africans known as the Skralings, S-K-R-A-E-L-I-N-G, Skraling, who are the original African Mm -hmm. people in Scandinavia. That's why...
0: And these are the the original Vikings, right?
1: And they're carved on the Viking boats. The pictures of them are carved, and the brother got the picture right in his book. It's right right there. That's evidence.
0: Exactly. Uh, very quickly here, um, uh, you talked about the women in Suriname, African women in Suriname, I think it was, and um, telling stories and symbols with the hats, things like this. I've heard of a history, and I think it dates back to Africa, a history dealing with African-American women and church mm-hmm. hats. Okay, what, what what what's what's the history of African American women and church hats?
1: I'm I'm not that fluid on
0: that. Okay, I, okay. I think
1: they may have a different meaning. Okay, uh, because I don't, and and I'm not sure, so I don't want to say that I know this for sure. Uh, okay, but I I get the impression that it goes back to the concept of a crown.
0: yeah i've heard something about that and the
1: and the importance of african women no matter what no matter what condition Mm -hmm. they may have found themselves in in the western world the hat Mm -hmm. was what made them royal and so i think that that is part of it but again to answer your question hats are very important to women in general but African women in particular, yeah. because they represent and it's it's more f- for reasons of beautification, but but also mm-hmm. establishing yourself as an individual. And not just that, but even brothers. With right. the popularity of hats today, you see hats are more popular today amongst men than they were back in the day. You know, oh, I, I, is that. The, I think the baseball cap is one 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 of the things, you know, the baseball cap uh was very important now in the ancient world it was always important but the the idea of men taking hats off indoors while women wore hats uh i remember growing up uh, men could not wear hats in the church but women had to wear hats in the church so the Mm -hmm. idea of brothers that don't want to take off their baseball cap that's a that's a social issue It, it shows an importance of the hat that brothers have well Men okay. in general, but but back in the day, we weren't as baseball cap happy as we are now.
0: Well, we wore different types of hats, you yeah. Know, men wore, wore fedoras, yeah. they wore different types of hats. It wasn't a baseball yeah. hat,
1: but yeah. we didn't keep them on indoors,
0: right? Right, no, you took it off as a sign, and, and also
1: because it was a social norm, so there wasn't any. Many times, a third of the discipline problems that I had to deal with in schools that I went to had to do. Mm-hmm with teachers making the young men take their hats off or physically taking the hat off themselves. You could get into a lot of trouble if you went up to a young African-American man or Hispanic man, boy, and took the hat off their head. That's one thing that they would fight you for. And a lot of the discipline mm. problems comes from boys, young men wearing hats indoors. So there's a, there's a, 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 a love of hats now that I don't think that we have as it relates to social norm.
0: Well, a lot of it is fed to them through uh, hip hop. A lot of it through negative hip hop, because a lot of it, they can't tell you why they want to keep the hat on indoors. Why they should be focused more on learning and educating their conscious level, as opposed to worried about the NFL hat or major league baseball hat. Cause most likely the hat that they wear was not produced by African Americans is, 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 and, and see what's happened is because of, uh, uh a lot of negative hip hop, all hip hop is not bad. I grew up listening to hip hop. I know professor Griff and speech from arrested development, things like this, but through uh, negative corporate hip hop, you had the marketing of NFL jerseys, Major League Baseball, especially basketball. So you had the marketing of these franchises through corporate hip hop, and the marketing of the and the marketing of the merchandising. Okay, and it, it, a lot of it also when you, when you see grown men with you know uh, football jerseys on things like this, right? Is is like they're living in a fantasy world, so, so to speak, it's, it's like a lot of that is living in a fantasy world. Uh, because I mean, it's not, it's not like they're wearing Negro League attire, they're wearing attire from the National Football League, the uh, NBA, things like this. But then, when you look at how a large percentage of African American boys want to grow up to be uh ball players, basketball football, things like that. And for most of them, that's an unrealistic goal. There's there's somewhere only there's somewhere about, uh, I think in, uh, uh, professional, uh, football there's about 2,800 professional football players, about 650 in, uh, professional basketball players. That's it. Okay. So when you have (laughs) means of when you have, you know, all these African-American boys want to grow up, to play in the NBA and the average career is five seasons. One to grow up to play in the NFL, average career is three point seven seasons, right? And then the amount of injuries they have lifelong after that in NFL, you got to worry about CTE, chronic tra- uh, traumatic encephalopathy, which is something they didn't even know about twenty years ago, right? So then, then you start seeing booby traps that are out here. Um, let let me let me wrap up with this. okay? once again, we're speaking with Professor Kabahai Waka Kamenei, formerly known as Booker T. Coleman. You've seen him in the um, Hidden Colors documentaries. You've seen him in uh, 1804 in the history of Haiti. okay? Um, OK, he's going to reconnect here in just a minute. Something happened. Uh, Hidden history of Haiti. We have the documentaries available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. He and I were in the Black Friday documentaries together. So Black Friday, part two just came out October 13th. He was here in um, Detroit Friday, November 24th, along with director Rick Mathis at the Charles H. Wright Museum of African-American History. Uh, We did a screening and discussion of Black Friday, part two, right? He's coming back to Detroit, December 8th and 9th, and we're um, waiting on him to reconnect here. Something happened. Um, he's coming back to Detroit, December 8th and 9th. Uh, 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 let me see. I'm going to uh, send this again. Hold on, Brother Cobb. I'll send this again to you. Uh, December 8th and 9th at the uh, True, Oracle, True Oracle of God Ministries Church. True Oracle of God Ministries Church and that is uh located at 1500 uh east state fair 1500 east state fair okay and uh he dropped out we're gonna try to reconnect for a couple minutes to wrap up um he, he'll be here friday december 8th sun and saturday december 9th okay minister malik shabazz is bringing him back to detroit two-day uh lecture series uh uh he'll do with the ancient uh he'll do with the um african presence um in early america okay specifically talking about um africans uh here in the united states of america the african presence in america and here deal with african boat building african african boat building okay um the mission is fifteen dollars per day youth under 18 years old are free for more information uh you can call 313-646-3375 313-646-3375 or 313-718-6008 313-718-6008 or 313-740-1066 313-740-1066 we're going to post the information here again on the uh thread of the broadcast okay let's bring them back on okay um we're going to post the information here again on the thread of the broadcast here on facebook uh, I'm working on the flyer. I told Minister Melicia Baz when I saw him yesterday, I told him I'll do a flyer for him. So we'll get that up on our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, hopefully tonight sometime. And Professor Cabo will have his DVD lectures there. I'll have my DVD lectures there also. Well, have copies of 1804 as well in Hidden Colors. Um, let's bring them back on. Let's see. Hold on just a second here. Let's see if we got them back. Okay, so go ahead and uh, accept it, brother, so we can bring you back on, Kabo, because I see you there. Um, should be able to connect. Be sure to connect with um, Google Chrome, okay? So, uh, two day lecture series here in Detroit with Professor Kabahai Hiawatha Kamene. All right, bring your uh, pen and pad to take notes. Uh, this is going to be a fantastic um, uh, lecture series here, all right? And you can go back and watch this broadcast here on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network. And uh, you can also watch it on uh, YouTube, our YouTube channel, uh, Michael M. Hotep on YouTube. I M H O T E P on YouTube. Okay. Let me see if we can. um All right. Some reason is not letting him connect. Okay. Let's try this one more time. Invite on screen, yes. Invite on screen. Okay, I sent the invitation again, brother. So look at it on screen. It should let you connect now, Professor Kaba. Um, Trying to connect. Okay. All right. Should let you connect. That reinvite. Let's try that. Okay. Okay. So. Um, You can go back and watch this on Facebook. Uh, We'll answer some of your questions as well. Okay, check out the book. uh, The first Americans were Africans documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep. The first Americans were Africans documented evidence by Dr. David M. Hotep as well. This deals with the African presence in North, Central and South America going back at least 56000 years ago. And um, Professor Kaba Kabakamane's website is Kabakamane.com. K-A-B-A k a m e n e. com. How's that okay? brother? We have uh, you can order he has, he has his books there um uh also Lorraine Hansberry um Website here on the thread of the broadcast here, okay. Kaba he's coming, looks like here on the um Facebook live on the live broadcast. Looks like he's trying to come back on, okay. So Kaba comment. We have to take this information and empower ourselves, you know, Um, uh, people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future uh, to uh, meet the needs of the community. A people's history and culture teaches them how to deal with the problems of the past in the present and the future to meet the needs of the community because things happen in cycles. Okay. Um, all right so we have brother Kaba back. There we go. Oh, I don't cool. know what happened man. Yeah, yeah we got you back. Okay, okay, good. good. So I gave people your uh website address, but once again tell people how they can get in contact with you, how they can get your DVDs and tell them tell them about your books also.
1: Yes, uh well my my website k a b a k a m e n e K A B A K A M E N E.com. I I have a um a free e-course Okay. Uh, that deals with my my upcoming book spirituality before religions and i also have my study guide up there and also i have my uh, dvds and ebooks and things like that that you might be interested in mm-hmm. um, you know my son and i just developed our our um, documentary series titled what would harriet tubman do okay uh, so we will have that in detroit with us also this will be the first because it um we we did pre-orders up until yesterday so now now that the pre-orders are done we'll now be carrying it with us where we go so we'll have that available when we go to detroit along with our book on william leo hansbury yes who, who i consider to william be
0: That's what i meant to say. yeah go ahead
1: william leo hansbury mm-hmm. the architect of america's african studies program so mm-hmm. we'll have that book with us all the way and we'll, we'll have a number of other things with us uh of uh interest and um, I look forward to uh, the eighth and the ninth.
0: And, and you have uh, will you have your DVD series dealing with uh, West Africa? Because I yes. know you did that lecture series. Okay, because I want to get that from. You. Good.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah. We'll definitely have that uh, d- dealing with ancient West Africa, and we'll have other DVDs uh, dealing with astronomy, education. You know, we're you know we're looking at uh, the Moors, mm-hmm. and um, so we'll have. The, the, the DVDs that will assist us in developing what it is that we have to do from a cultural perspective.
0: Okay. And somehow. Okay. We'll and if you we'll
1: wanted to we'll contact me, me, I'm at common a seven, seven, seven at aol.com. That's my email. K a M E N E seven, seven, seven at aol.com.
0: Common seven, seven, seven at aol.com. Yes. All right, brother. Look, you have a great day. Hot up to you and the family. We'll see you here in Detroit on Friday. Okay.
1: But man, I'm looking forward to it. All right, brother. Peace. Peace to you, brother. And to yours. All right. Hotel. Hotel.
0: All right, family. That's Professor Kabahia hiawatha Kamene. You have heard him, seen him many times here on the African History Network show. All right. Um, a lot going on today. Uh, we're going to get out of here in a couple of minutes. Be sure to visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork dot com. African dot com. So if you like this type of information, you know we have uh, tons of DVD lectures and, and documentaries at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork dot com. All of my DVD lectures are there. Uh, we have the um, we have bundle packs of my lectures. Also, about thirty five of my presentations there at our website uh we have the um let's see what we have here uh this is one of my latest presentations the racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance the racist history of the white national anthem and the pledge of allegiance so this deals with the whole history of the national anthem francis scott key who wrote it a white supremacist uh slave owner who thought that african people were mentally inferior uh he wrote it september 13th 1814 during the war of 1812 I deal with the uh, history of the Pledge of Allegiance written by a white Baptist socialist socialist minister named Francis Bellamy, August of 1892. And I tie all that history into the history of Colin Kaepernick's protest. This is a three hour presentation. This is available on DVD and digital download. We have. um, So I did this September 26, 2017. We have the real story of the Confederate monuments, the Confederate flag. And while Robert E. Lee was against them. Okay. This was, uh, I did this August 17th, 2017 on Marcus Garvey's birthday. I did this presentation. Uh, so this deals with the history. This deals with the civil war. This deals with the history of the Confederate monuments that people are uh, debating about. I talk about Charlottesville, Virginia, Queen Charlotte, Sophia, Charlottesville, Virginia, August 12th, 2017. When you had the, um, the unite the right rally around saving, uh, a Confederate statue of general Robert E. Lee, I deal with the history of Confederate flags, right? Because what people think is the Confederate flag, uh, that flag that was on the General Lee Carl on the Dukes of Hazard, that flag never flew over the Confederate States of America. That's not really the Confederate flag. There were three flags that flew over, over the Confederate States of America from 1861 to 1865, that flag was never one of them, okay? So uh, this is a very, very important uh, presentation that I did. Uh, this one I did in February during African American History Month. This is actually a two-DVD set. It's four hours. Great African Women in History, the Mothers of Civilization. So I deal with some well-known and not-so-well-known African women in our history. One of them is uh, Queen Charlotte Sophia. You know, we deal with Ma'at also, uh, 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 uh the, Madam C.J. Walker, we deal with Annie Turmo Malone, we deal with Ya Queen Nzinga, a number of different African women in our history, uh, some of them not even um, shown here on the front as well. Okay, that's a two DVD set, that's four hours. So this one right here, I'll be doing a version of this presentation in Los Angeles. Okay, so I'm in, uh, I'm in Los Angeles uh, for the first time ever for Kwanzaa, uh, I'll be doing two presentations Friday, December. No, see, Saturday, December 30th at the um, Christ Unity Temple. I think is it is. I think it is uh, Saturday, December 30th in New Year's Eve, Sunday, December 31st. OK, so Saturday, December 30th in Los Angeles, I'm the keynote speaker for the Kwanzaa presentation, Kwanzaa celebration. So I have a presentation on Kwanzaa. What is Kwanzaa reconnecting African-Americans to African culture for self-empowerment? OK, and I'll be doing uh, my presentation. There will be uh, what is Kwanza reconnecting African-Americans to African culture for self-empowerment in the era of Donald Trump. The next day, I'll be doing about a two hour presentation um, Sunday, December 31st, New Year's Eve. The uh, event is 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. Uh, and I'll be doing a version of this presentation, African-American resistance in the era of Donald Trump voter suppression reparations and how elections have consequences okay so this is available right now at africanhistorynetwork.com there are actually three presentations uh on here three presentations on here when you order this you're going to get the two dvd set version which includes the presentation i just did uh november 11th last month november 11th in detroit okay so th- this will be a two dvd set for you then we have, of course, 1804, The Hidden History of Haiti. This deals with the history of the Haitian Revolution. Professor Kaba Kamenez in this documentary. Professor James Small, Dr. Wade Nobles, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. This is from director Tariq Nasheed. Each copy of this you purchase, you'll get two DVD. Uh, you get two digital downloads of my presentations. These are all available at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. We have uh, the Black Friday series, the three documentaries in the Black Friday series. I'm in all three of them. So is Professor Kabakamane. This is the latest one. You see me wearing a shirt. Black Friday, part two, the Living Legacy World Tour. This ties our African global legacy, African history around the world. This ties that into economic empowerment. Okay, this just came out October 13th. This is from director rick mathis okay director rick mathis so i'm featured in this documentary as well um and you'll get one of my dvd presentations with that as well you know uh so december 29th so i'm in los angeles december 30th and 31st december 29th i'll be in atlanta i'll be in atlanta december 29th at the shrine of the black madonna uh church for screening and discussion of black friday part two okay and that's free and open to the public uh, I'll be there. Rick Mathis will be there. Um, I'll be on the panel as well. Okay, so we uh, we'll have that. We'll have the uh, flyer on our website, africanhistorynetwork.com dot uh, com. We posted it uh, on our Facebook fan page. I posted it on my personal page, Michael M Hotep. We we'll have to get that up on the fan page as well. I just got the flyer today. Okay. So, you know, I'm in the uh, latest installment of the Elementary Genocide documentary series from director Raheem Shabazz. This is Elementary Genocide, part three, Academic Holocaust. I'm in here with Professor Kabahia Kamenei who we just had on, Professor James Small, Dr. Boyce Watkins. You see Dr. Boyce Watkins. Uh, you see his videos on, on our Facebook fan page, the African History Network a lot. So this is uh, a uh, this is the trilogy, right, from director. Uh, Raheem Shabazz. We have them all available at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. And we have a bundle pack. You get all three for $50. You can get some of my um, DVD presentations free also. Okay. And Academic Holocaust Part 3 that deals with fighting against the school to prison pipeline, deals with educating African American children, taking control of our children's education. And of course, we have the Hidden Colors documentaries. We have all four of them. We have them all four in stock. We're shipping out orders today, shipped out orders yesterday from director uh, Tariq Nasheed, uh, best-selling documentary series done with African history, African-American history, the Hidden Colors uh, series as well. We have a bundle pack uh, where you get the, we have the Hidden Colors family bundle pack. uh, So you get all four installments of Hidden Colors. You get three of my presentations. Yes, you get. You actually have four of my presentations, including my lecture dealing with the history of Black Wall Street in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And you get one installment of Afro Man and the Protectors of the Book of Knowledge animated series for children. You get all that for $100, okay? And we ship internationally as well. And when we ship internationally, uh, you'll actually get a tracking number uh, also, okay, Uh, that you can track. Um, around the world. Okay, so this is all available at African History Network.com. So if you like this type of information, right? We have the DVDs available. We have the documentaries and that helps support the African History Network It helps us stay on the air keep doing the research keep broadcasting allows me to do this full-time I'll Do lectures. I mean documentaries or write articles or do the radio shows all this So allows me to do this full-time you keep supporting us Appreciate the support, okay? Um, at um, African History Network.com. We'll post the link here on the thread of the broadcast again. Um, African History Network.com. Keep in mind, we have about 800 uh, audio podcasts of uh, our shows available uh, at our website, African History Network.com. They're on iTunes, uh, the African History Network show uh page on iTunes, uh on Blog Talk Radio. It's uh blogtalkradio.com History Network should all that uh at our website African You can read the articles that I write there. Listen to the podcast of our shows, connect you to our YouTube channel where we have 600 video clips Got a a lot of work to do, orders to ship, and I had to spend some time, um, um, we'll be reading a new book that I just got for my daughter, we'll be reading that book to her today as well, right? (laughs) So my daughter's nine months old, I'm a new father, Um, so we got to get out of here. Hey, remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world, because right now it's correct wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself and what you allow other people to do to you is based upon what you think about yourself. What you, what you allow, let me say this, then let me clearly say this because you have an election coming up in Alabama, uh, next Tuesday. Right. And after a lot of African Americans in Alabama, you need to get your asses out and vote. And make sure Roy Moore does not become a US senator. Okay. Um, so what and then you have the elections going on today in Atlanta. Uh the Black Mecca, okay, Black Mecca. And uh they, we, we in our email newsletter, we sent out the um article from nbcnews.com uh today. Called, uh, what's the name of this article? The Ugly Election Between White and Black Candidates for Atlanta. Uh, That was in our email newsletter. You can sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K E M E T, to 22828. Text the word Kemet, K E M E T, to 22828 to sign up for our email newsletter. But what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when we control the radius of a man's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his actions because the mind can not do or teach what it doesn't know. Remember, right now is correction.